in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear saints, today's sermon is titled, Kept Safe from the Demons by the Word of God. That's what we have in the text, in the Gospel text. Jesus is there, and He's casting out demons. And this seems to us, at first glance, like a nice thing to do. I mean, very pleasant. <laughs> we have specifically the instance in the Gospel text of this man who was mute because he had a mute demon. He was troubled by a demon, and so he couldn't talk. And Jesus sends the demon away, and the man is able to speak. His tongue is loosed. He praises Jesus. How wonderful, we would say. And if you were there in the crowd, you watching these things happen, you would be amazed at this sort of thing. You'd you'd go and you'd you'd thank Jesus for his for his marvelous miracle here. You'd probably go and get in line and congratulate the man who can talk now. You know, congratulations on your new voice. You'd get out your cell phone and call your friends. You won't believe what I just saw. This guy's talking now. Jesus is casting out demons, and that's how it was this day. I mean, most of the crowd, it says, marveled at what Jesus had done. But not everyone. Not everyone was happy. And, and this is a stunning thing. Not everyone was happy about the, th- the good things that Jesus was doing. In fact, some of the people there accused Jesus of having his power not from God, but from the devil himself. Here it is, the introduction of the text, Luke, thir- Luke 11, verses 14 to, tw- uh, to 16. Now Jesus was casting out a demon that was mute, and when the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke and the people marveled. But some of them said, He cast out demons by Beelzebul, the prince of demons, the devil himself. And others, to test him, kept seeking from him a sign from heaven. Jesus is doing all these marvelous good things and he's accused of using unholy power to accomplish them, to accomplish his works. That's the setup and the introduction to what follows, which is nothing more than our Lord Jesus' answer to this accusation. That he's casting out demons by the power of Beelzebul and his teaching about the demons and their defeat. There is, in the next 11 verses, a lot packed in there. So I want to outline it for you. And if you're looking at the back of your bulletin, you can follow along. The first section, Luke chapter 11, verses 17 to 18, our Lord gives his first response, which is a bit of logic. What you're saying doesn't make any sense. A kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. If I'm casting out demons by the devil, then the devil's kingdom is divided, and that's just ridiculous. The next part is is verses 19 through 20, where Jesus offers their own Jewish exorcists as examples against what they're saying. He gives them an alternative explanation to what is happening. And this is what's happening in verse 20. But if but if it is by the finger of God that has cast out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. The third part, and this is verses 21 to 23, Jesus tells a parable. The parable of of the strong man. And really, maybe we should call it the parable of the stronger man. The strong man keeps his house in order until a stronger man comes along, ties him up, and steals his stuff. This is really the center of the text. And Jesus concludes this parable with an ultimatum. Either you're with me, or you're against me. 
Next, fourth, verses 24 to 26, Jesus warns about the demons returning to the person they have left and their second state being worse than their first. And then finally, verses 27 to 28, Jesus is blessed by a woman in the crowd who just shouts out in the middle of all of this, blessed is the womb that bore you. And Jesus responds with his own blessing. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Now, I already warned you guys, there's a lot going on here. And we have to take our time because Jesus is explaining to us in these words spiritual realities. He's showing us things that we cannot see with our eyes. We, after all, cannot see the devil. We cannot see the demons that constantly surround us and threaten us and trouble us. And so there's a temptation when it comes to the spiritual world that surrounds us, the temptation is to simply make things up. That's what the people in the crowd did, remember? They, they saw Jesus casting out this demon, and they said, He does it by the prince of demons, by Beelzebub. They were just making it up, and they were wrong. And we do the same thing, and we are wrong. When we try to explain how things are happening by the hidden spiritual reality, or, and this is, I think, our temptation these days, we pretend like everything is natural, like there's no spiritual things happening behind the scenes. Everything has a materialistic explanation. But Jesus is going to, he's going to pull aside the curtain, and he's going to explain to us these spiritual realities, and especially the spiritual reality of what he's doing. And it comes to us in this parable, verse 21. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are safe. Here's what the parable means. The strong man is the devil. The palace is his kingdom, that is, the unbelieving world. And his goods, his treasures are the people who by sin and unbelief belong to him. Now, there's something particularly stunning about this description that Jesus gives of the devil's kingdom. And it is in the text the word safe. His goods, says Jesus, are safe. The Greek word here is better translated at peace. In fact, it should be just like this. In peace are his things. In peace. In the devil's kingdom. We want peace to be a mark of the Lord's kingdom. I mean, at least I do. I don't think of peace as a mark of the devil's kingdom. But we must understand this, that the devil has a false peace, the illusion of peace for the people that are his, a false comfort that they live under. Their consciences are not troubled with their sin. They're, they're not troubled with anxious thoughts of the life to come. They are content in their unbelief and their sin. So you talk to the unbeliever and you say, are you worried about your sin? And they say, no. Or, what sin? <laughs> and this is astonishing to us. It's a great mystery how the unbelievers can be so peaceful. How they can lack all sort of concern for the things that matter most in this life. For sin and righteousness and death and life. But the mystery is explained here in the words of Jesus. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own palace, his goods are at peace. But this... 
the peacefulness of the devil's people is not the end of the story. Jesus continues in verse 22. But when one stronger than he attacks him and overcomes him, he takes away his armor in which he trusted and divides his spoil. The meaning of the parable is this. The stronger one here is Jesus. He is the one who attacks and overcomes the devil. The armor that the devil trusts in is the fear of death and the ability to accuse our conscience. And the spoil there that the stronger one takes out of the palace, that, dear saints, is you. You are the loot. <laughs> Jesus has bound up the devil, tied him up, cast him down, all so that he could set you free. This is the testimony of the Scriptures. For example, 1 John 3.8 Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. But for this reason the Son of God appeared that he might destroy the works of the devil. Or Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, Since therefore the children partake in flesh and blood, he, our Lord Jesus, likewise partook of the same things, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Or Colossians 2, verses 13 to 15, and you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with Christ, having forgiven all our trespasses by canceling the record of death that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ." It is our Lord Jesus who attacks the devil and destroys him. And it must be so. For bound up with your sin and bound up with your death is your devil. So if Jesus is going to forgive your sin, and if Jesus is going to give you life, then he's also going to destroy the devil. But, and here's another great mystery perhaps the greatest mystery of all, Jesus destroys the devil by being himself destroyed. Jesus undoes the devil's work by being undone by the devil. Jesus attacking the devil is letting the devil attack him and nail him to the cross. The stronger man defeats the strong man, the devil, not with his strength, but in weakness, in suffering, in agony, in the cross. So it is that the cross looks like the devil's victory. But it is not. It's his defeat. Jesus triumphs over the devil precisely by dying on the cross. 
And this is because Jesus on the cross is taking there the hell that you deserve, the accusations of the devil that should be yours. He who knew no sin becomes sin for us so that the, the devil has nothing to accuse you of. There is no more sin, no more guilt, no more shame for you. Jesus bears it all. He is the one who takes away the sin of the world. And this is what Jesus is teaching us, dear saints, in the parable of the strong man. That there's a spiritual reality that we need to know and understand for, to, to understand the things that are going on around us and that is this, the devil, our enemy, is defeated by the death of Jesus on the cross. This is fantastic news. In fact, this is marvelous. This is as good as it gets. The devil who, who, who is stomping and tramping, uh, trying to trample you and destroy your faith, trying to kill you and take you to hell, that devil is defeated. He is lost. He has been bound and cast into the pit. He is the strong man that has been tied up and his goods have been looted. And this is the most marvelous, wonderful gospel and comfort that we have. And this is probably the place that the sermon would normally end. <laughs> but Jesus follows up this parable with a warning. And we need to give heed to these words as well. This is verse 23. Jesus says, Whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. And then these slightly haunting words, When the unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through the waterless places seeking rest, and finding none, it says, I'll return to the house from which I came. And when it comes, it, founds, it finds the house swept and put in order, and it goes and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they enter, and they dwell there, and the last state of the person is worse than the first. <laughs> How is it, we must ask, that the demons, after they are defeated, still carry on? They still come and trouble us. How is that? I don't know. I don't know how it is. But Jesus says this is exactly what it is. Jesus drives the devil out of a person and then the Holy Spirit and even our Lord Jesus Himself comes to dwell with that person, to live with His dear Christian. But let's say so that that person casts aside the Lord's Word. That the Christian rejects the mercy and kindness of Jesus. That a person gives themselves over to sin, to breaking the commandments, to living however they want regardless of the Scriptures. What the scriptures say. This person has expelled the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and their home is vacant. So when the devil comes back, even though he has no more weapons, even though he has nothing left to fight with, he doesn't need them. The house is empty. There's no one to stop him from coming in. And the demons do just that. I think, dear saints, we'll, we'll just have to take this text for what it is. A warning. We know that the devil is defeated, but we know that at the same time he's dangerous. He's still after us. And that we still must be on guard. But there is hope. In fact, great hope as the text ends. It seems like, and it always seemed like to me, that the last few verses of this text are disconnected from the rest of it. 
That this woman in the crowd who shouts out a blessing to our Lord Jesus is just a, something that happened, but it's not related. But I think our Lord's response to her is the key to understanding what's going on here, and in fact, the key to understanding the spiritual battle that we're, that we're in. Starting at verse 27. As Jesus said these things, a woman in the crowd raised her voice and said to him, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breasts which you nursed. But, he said, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Those who hear the word of God and keep it are blessed. Those, and this should be very clear, those who hear the word of God and keep it are safe from the demons. For they are the ones who have nothing to fear. Those who hear the word of God and keep it are the ones whose house is not vacant. When the demons come back, they find it not empty, but full of Jesus and his Holy Spirit. For those who hear the word of God are the ones who hear of Jesus those who hear the word of God are those who hear of his cross and his death and the devil's defeat. Those who hear the word of God are the ones who hear that their sins are forgiven, that God is pleased with them, that they are given the perfection of Jesus in place of their sin. Those who hear the word of God are those who hear that the blood of Jesus cleanses them from all transgression. And if we have the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness of sins that it wins and delivers, then the devil has no place, no foothold, nothing to accuse. He has no way in. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Dear saints, Jesus is casting out demons. He's undoing the work of the devil and he still casts them out by his word of life and forgiveness. He keeps us safe by his word. May this blessing, the blessing of God's word, the blessing of the Lord Jesus and his death for us, may this blessing be ours. Blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. For by that word, your devil is kept at bay and Jesus has you. All thanks and praise to him. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.